We're going to turn to that portion of Scripture that we read together uh, this evening. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, and uh, as I mentioned, specifically verse 10, for this is our text for tonight. And it says this, very simple, clear, and plain. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a verse in one of Paul's writings, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 3, talking about salvation. He calls it so great salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And here before us tonight in the portion that we read together in the incident that sat before us, we have a demonstration of how great that salvation is. And in particular, we have in the text before us, in verse 10, some great matters in relation to this so great salvation. And these are the things that I want us to think about, to consider together this evening. For if you look at our text, we have in the first instance a great title. A great title. You'll notice that it talks about the Son of Man. Now that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a title, one of the titles of the Lord. He's called here, he's referred to here as the Son of Man. Now what does that convey to us? What does that mean? Well, it simply means that the Lord Jesus is someone who is near and who understands and has a heart full of compassion for the lost. And that's how the Lord Jesus Christ is set before us in the Gospel of Luke. It's not that uh, the Lord is anything different anywhere else in the Scriptures, but the, the, the Gospel of Luke majors on that. We, we talked about Matthew this morning, and the Lord Jesus Christ is seen as the sovereign. He's the king of the Jews. That was Matthew's purpose in telling us about the Christ that he saw. 
Mark sees him as the servant. He's the one who came into the world not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And of course, the Gospel of John sees him as the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. These things are written, John says in chapter 20, that you might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. When we come to Luke's gospel, Christ is seen in marvelous mercy and compassion toward the lost. Of course, you would expect that in the writings of a doctor. Luke was a doctor. He's the beloved physician. Uh, And you would expect a doctor to be sympathetic and understanding and compassionate. I'm not saying all the GPs are like that, but you would expect that from a doctor. It's the purpose of a doctor to save life to help people. And the Lord Jesus Christ is seen here as the loving, compassionate Christ. Now, of course, you've got the story of the prodigal son in chapter 15. And you have there an illustration of how compassionate the Lord is when you have the father seeing the son afar off and he, he runs and embraces him. In chapter 16, you have the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man giving himself with indecent haste to the pursuit of this life's pleasures. And the beggar was ignored. No one thought about the beggar. But when he died, the angels of God from heaven came and carried him to his eternal rest. Things were changed right round. In eternity, the rich man was in pain and agony. In eternity, the beggar was comforted. Now he is comforted. And thou art tormented. The whole thing was changed right around. That's how God works. You might think evil people are getting away with things, and it might seem that way in this life, but God will make things right. If not in time, most certainly in eternity. But we see the compassion of the Lord shown toward Lazarus. Nobody else had compassion for him. Then in in Luke 18, you have the story of the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee, so full of himself, tries to promote himself and makes the Lord a debtor to him. Whereas the publican would not lift up so much 
as his head and he smote on his breast. God be merciful. Isn't that what we're talking about? The Lord is seen as compassionate. The Lord is seen as loving. The Lord is seen as merciful. God be merciful to me, a sinner. And what about the very portion we read? The man who was ignored and despised and hated. He's gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And how compassionate, how loving, how merciful the Lord was to Zacchaeus. And that's what the title, The Son of Man, confess. And the Lord Jesus Christ is still the same today. Still loving. Still merciful. Still compassionate. And longing for the lost. That's why we sung the hymn, Hear, O Hear His Voice, Calling Nigh to Thee. So you've got a great title. And then if you look again at our text, you have a great truth. It says, the Son of Man is come. I think of those words, the Son of Man is come. Now, if we take those words and apply them in their broadest sense, we can think of the Lord coming into this world. I don't know if you've ever seen a map of our universe, but we're just a wee tiny, tiny dot. Hardly perceptible. That's the earth. And the Bible tells us that all the nations, all the inhabitants of the earth are as a drop of a bucket and her her even less, infinitely less than that's back nations are. And yet men and women think about it. The God who called that vast expanse, seemingly endless expanse of space into being becomes a man. He comes into the world. He comes into this world and takes upon himself human nature with all its frailties sin accepted you take it in its local sense when the Lord Jesus Christ said the son of man has come didn't we read in the verse 1 of this chapter he entered and passed through Jericho. And I tell you folks, he came to do a specific work in this man's heart. We'll see that a bit more in a moment or two. He came, it says, to the place where he was. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ has done tonight. You can't see him physically. You can't hear him audibly. Nonetheless, he has come 
to this place. He's here tonight. That same tender, loving, pleading voice is calling you tonight. There's a great title. There's a great truth. But then there's a great task for it says the Son of Man is come to seek that which was lost. Now, I, I stopped at a verse in a reading and it says this about Zacchaeus. He sought to see Jesus. That, that, that's an amazing thing. Here's a man who had everything. But there was something missing. Indeed, someone missing. There was an emptiness in his heart. There was a barrenness in his soul. But verse 3 says, he sought to see Jesus. He was seeking to see the Lord. And folks, at the very same time, the Lord had come into Jericho seeking him. That's what it says in our text. The Son of Man has come to seek that which was lost. On the one hand, you have Zacchaeus seeking the Lord. On the other hand, you have the Lord seeking Zacchaeus. And the two of them, the two of them, will gloriously meet at that tree. On a great task, the Lord came to fulfill. He has come to seek the lost. He has come in order to shed his blood for the lost. That's the whole significance of the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ taking upon himself human nature and offering himself as the sacrifice for sin on the cross to reconcile the lost with the Lord. And he's come here tonight do that for you. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you're a bit like Zacchaeus. You've plenty of this world's goods, but you're just not happy. There's an emptiness in your heart. There's a barrenness in your soul. There's a dissatisfaction there. Well, the Lord can change that for you because notice there's not only a great title and there's not only a great truth the Lord coming there's not only a great task he's come seeking there's a great triumph for it says the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost think about it folks the references we have made in the previous chapters about 
the lost being saved. The prodigal son. This my son was lost and I is alive. He's found. He was dead and I is alive. Think of Lazarus. He hadn't the wealth of this world but he had the Lord in his heart. The very name Lazarus means God has helped. And no one, when no one else was there to help him, the Lord was with him. And he went to be with the Lord. You think about uh, the, 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 the man who went up to the temple and the Pharisee looked down upon him uh, and, and he was disgusted at him even being there. God be merciful to me a sinner. What did the Lord say? I tell you this man went down to his house justified, saved, right with God, ready for heaven rather than the other. In the same gospel you can read Right at the time when Christ was hanging on the cross, the repentant thief, a man who lived all his days pursuing sin, and at the last hour, so to speak, he calls upon the Lord, Lord, remember me. Did the Lord reject him? Did the Lord turn from him and say, ah, You've lived all your life for sin and self, and now you're offering me the fag end of your life to the Lord. Not a bit of it. The Lord spoke. The Lord responded. The Lord said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Is that not compassion? Is that not love? Is that not mercy? My, what great triumphs there were in the lives of these men wrought by Christ. The work that Christ came to do was a triumphant work, a glorious work, a work that will bring all those whom God has chosen into the fold and Christ will seen will be seen to be victorious. Do you know what it says? This is a tremendous verse in Philippians. Every knee shall bow. And that means every knee. Without exception. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His work was victorious. His work was glorious. He's Lord. He's seated upon the throne. And not only will they confess that in heaven, but also on earth and in hell. Of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. Isn't this a great God that we have tonight? Isn't this a great Savior?
isn't this a great salvation? Oh, hear his voice tonight. Turn to Christ and start for heaven and for home. We're going to sing our closing hymn.